Welcome to the Winging It Travel Podcast with me, James Hammond. Every Monday, I'll be joined by guests to talk about their travel stories, travel tips, backpacking advice, and so much more. Right now, I'm taking the podcast on the road traveling with me. So tune in every week for short form episodes detailing all my travels alongside my Monday guest episode. Are you a backpacker, gap year student, or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you, designed to inspire you to travel. There'll be stories to tell, tips to share, and experiences to inspire. Welcome to the show. Ted Craig, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Thanks very much. Yeah, it's nice to be here. It's nice to have you here at our house right now. Yeah, fantastic little studio here that you're building. So yeah. we've arrived from Toronto, six hours, six and a half hour drive. Yeah. And you let us stay, which is very kind of you. It's mm-hmm. an amazing house you've got here. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, this is new for us too. We've, uh, my wife and I are two kids. We moved uh, last year from where we were near Ottawa. Uh, we moved to here. We're between Montreal and Quebec City, so kind of the middle of Quebec. And uh, we did lots of traveling and stuff over the past year, mm. which we'll chat about. Uh, and ultimately, the plan was to find a new house, of course, which we did a few weeks ago. So we've just moved in here, and I've set up my little studio and uh, started doing some decorating and stuff soon. But yeah, it's nice to be here. Great location between Montreal and Quebec and yep. off the highway. So yep. you've got access pretty easy to get to either city. And it's a yep. great couple of cities to get into. Yeah, exactly. We're about an hour and a half either way from Montreal or Quebec City. And what's your favorite out of the two? Have interest. Well, they're both quite distinct, really. I mean, in Montreal, there's tons of things to do. Mm-hmm. There's always events, activities, festivals, stuff like that. Yeah. Quebec City's kind of a smaller version of it. And it's, I would say, in, in terms of the environment and geography, it's even more stunning, especially when you're right in the old part of Quebec. Because yeah. not only is the city itself beautiful and historic, but you get this incredible view either down the St. Lawrence River mm. or... But to the north, there's quite substantial mountains to the north. There's big ski hills there. Yeah. And you really get some nice views right from like the heart of the old town. So, yeah, I like going to Quebec for a bit more of a kind of laid back feel. And one thing now that we're here, we're so close to either places, uh, just to go more often. Like we can do easy day yeah. trips, stuff that we haven't been able to do before and maybe go for a little bike rides and things mm-hmm. like that. So It's a great road. It's not too busy that I found. Maybe, mm-hmm. Getting out of Montreal, maybe a little bit, but once you're into the middle part of this road it's a dream road to, yeah. to go on yeah but quebec old city oh i mean it's like going back to france little yeah. cups of coffee which the right cup not north american size <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you've got the fairmont hotel at the top of the hill yeah great views famous hotel for i think d-day planning and yeah stuff they like had that. a conference there that's right yeah so a fantastic city to go and see mm-hmm. yeah montreal we felt was just a bit more happening mm-hmm and a bit more eclectic. There's different yeah, pockets sure. of stuff around, but yeah. another great city. And mm-hmm. Toronto, we went to yesterday, the last three days. Yeah. Again, not a five-hour drive. It's a bit of a drive, but it's still doable for Canada standards, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we get used to it. <laughs> and we did it, too. We were visiting some of my family in, in Ontario this past week. So, yeah, it's, uh, you, I mean, it's long, but you kind of take it in stages when you have to mm. do these five, six-hour drives, you know, and it's like, how far to the next city or the next rest stop? And, yeah. And I find that if you can break it down like that, it's maybe 45 minutes, an hour or so at a time, and it usually goes a bit faster. Now, if you're driving across northern Ontario, that's a different story, isn't it? Yes, we've done that. (laughs) (laughs) Once we got over to Ontario Mm -hmm. and we stopped off in Kenora, it was miles and kilometers and miles. It it, it really is never-ending Ontario. It's huge. But the strangest part, I think we found, was like in Ottawa, the river. Yeah. One side is obviously 
English speaking Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. You go over the bridge, it's Quebec, and it's all French. It's quite an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's quite a divide. Yeah. I mean, there's the, when you get in those border areas, people are generally bilingual. Yeah. But it doesn't take much, you know. And where we are here, like, I'm the only Anglophone in this little town where we are. Oh, really? That's I, an interesting I checked, fact. I checked the census. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's some people here who would be able to function in English and be bilingual, but I'm the only native-born Anglophone, right? And this is where my wife's family's from. She's uh, Francophone, so that's why we ended up here and that's fine i can function in french but mm -hmm. yeah it's you know you go outside of these uh, the bigger cities montreal is fairly bilingual quebec city certainly in the tourist areas there's other pockets around quebec where there's more english mm. but a lot of it is french for sure and people yeah they might be able to function a little bit in english but uh Not by much. far it's french that's well, right especially quebec side we found it's like yeah. i think i described this even been in paris i felt like a baby you, you mm. can't you can't communicate yeah um we know a little bit of french it's on us to learn it but it's interesting because you do get a bit scared about ordering stuff or <laughs> can they even speak english like you kind of assume but i find here especially in quebec side mm -hmm. old town you might get away with it but i reckon around it would be interesting yeah yeah that's it i mean if it's a touristy place they'll they'll usually be prepared for that i mean and it's not just you know english canadians there's lots of americans and sure and sure, sure. people from around the world i mean maybe japan or germany and stuff right mm. who for whom english would be their second language yeah so they understand that but yeah once you get out into the more kind of everyday parts of quebec then yeah it's the you really don't hear much english at all and then yeah we're off east afterwards yeah. into new brunswick and the maritimes now you'll find that interesting because do you know the only officially bilingual province in canada well, I guess it's New Brunswick. That's right. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a bit of a trick question. People might think it's Quebec, but yeah. Quebec is only officially French. French. Mm, yep. Interesting. So you'll know, you've noticed that there's a lot of the signs, you yeah. know, they're only in French, uh, road signs and yeah. business signs. Now you get into New Brunswick and it is largely bilingual, like on an official kind of basis. Mm. That being said, it's mostly kind of the north half of the province is the French speaking. Yeah. The southern half is English speaking. For sure, there's people who are bilingual, mm -hmm. but you get parts where, yeah, they don't speak really much one or the other language. So, oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. That's interesting. I naively assumed we're back into English-speaking <laughs> territory. Well, you will be. I mean, <laughs> again, you, when you're on the tourist routes, then, you know, people will be bilingual quite well. But, um, yeah, at least in terms of, like, the families and the kind mm. of cultural background, right? So Yeah, I can't wait to explore it. I think uh, mm -hmm. Prince Edward Island and Nova Scotia are going to be... They were high on my list before, anyway. And then, obviously, New Brunswick will be equally as good yeah. and then we'll see if we go to newfoundland that's right of course you've been before yeah yeah it's a whole different scene over there it's incredible it's very distinct you know from the rest of the maritimes and certainly the rest of canada mm -hmm. it's a distinct culture the bit of the dialect you know and the accent is is different and you really feel like you're far you're kind of on the edge mm -hmm. of the world almost right it's it's like out there in the atlantic ocean it's a different half time zone yeah time zone yeah. take a long long ferry to get there yeah. usually or you can fly but uh it's an effort to get there but once you get there it's it's beautiful it's very rugged it's rocky just like ireland yep yeah, yeah, it's a big island for sure. But, you know, and the culture there goes back hundreds of years. It's yeah. one of the first places settled in North America by Europeans. And the ferry situation, I think we talked about this mm -hmm. before, but you go, there's two ferries, right? Eight hours, sort of the southern tip, southwest tip of the island. And yeah. you, or you can get one, which I assume is into St. John's, but it's not. It's a bit no. further south. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like 14, 16 hours. Yeah, that's just it. It's a trade-off because it's a longer ferry ride. Yeah. Uh, either Both ferries leave from the north part of Cape Breton Island in Nova Scotia yeah. in Sydney. So the shorter ferry, which is still seven, eight hours, goes to the southwest corner of Newfoundland. But in the summer, they have this longer ferry. 
which gets you to the Avalon Peninsula, which is attached to the main part of Newfoundland, the island. Mm. But it, yeah, it doesn't go all around that peninsula out into the ocean and then into St. John's Harbor because that would be just too rough. So the ferry goes to that corner, the opposite side of this peninsula, from which you need to drive two or three hours to St. John's itself. Mm. And the question is, if you don't have a car, yeah, is there a bus from that one to? There should be. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I would think so. There's foot passengers, so yeah, yeah. That's quite interesting. And then, yeah, we'll go to St. John's and that will be a very good moment of our trip because we were done pretty much the Highway 1 from mm-hmm. Vancouver Island all the way east, which is a heck of a journey in terms of kilometers. Yeah. I, you know, not a lot of people do this. Canadians, for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, and I lived in BC. I lived in Vancouver and the Rockies for a few years. And, you, I mean, you meet a lot of people who have either never been to eastern Canada mm. or maybe once, maybe twice, you know. Yeah. Maybe they have distant relatives. But, like, the country is so big and it's <laughs> expensive. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of time and money yeah. to really see the country. Even just to fly from, like, Toronto, Montreal to Vancouver or Calgary, it's hundreds of dollars. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it, it really, you know, prohibits us seeing a lot of our own country. So for you guys to make that effort, you're doing something that a lot of Canadians just haven't had the chance to do. I, I just feel like we need to know the country yeah. that we're potentially going to move to. But also, what chance, like you say, do you get? I mean, if you've got a job and your career, I mean, what, you get three, four weeks off a year if you're lucky? Yeah. That's not enough to see Canada. No. Nope. And you probably want to go outside of Canada anyway. <laughs> so what do you do? <laughs> so the only, the only really thing for us was to keep our camper van drive east. Nice. And I think we've probably traveled at this point even 10,000 kilometers. Wow. Maybe nine. We probably have 1,000 kilometers in, in Vancouver, but you know, up and down, not just straight across. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say in Vancouver, yeah, oh, yeah, I've done it when I was a kid. I guess their parents take them across. Yeah, there you As go. As adults, I haven't met too many people who've done it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that'd be a bit of an achievement. I'm looking forward to completing it. Mm-hmm. We took a photo of the halfway point on the one. That was okay. somewhere in Ontario. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But when you look at the map, you're like, oh, I've got that much to go. <laughs> but loads of different scenery, like Tofino on the west. Yeah. Very surfy, beachy, very chilled Vancouver Island. And then you go through the Rockies. We went south along the Grand Forks border. Mm. And you go through the prairies and now into lakes and trees. Mm-hmm. Um, then the cities is like all clustered together in Canadian terms. Yeah. And now we're off into the wilderness <laughs> again in Nova Scotia. So it's going to be mm-hmm. a very different type of trip. When did you leave for this road trip then from Vancouver? July 2nd. Okay. Yeah. About six weeks ago, actually. Yeah. Roughly. Yeah. 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 Let's cover a lot of ground then in six weeks. Yeah. I mean, to give you an idea of a price, if you want to talk about prices, mm-hmm. a full tank for our van, on average across Canada, because different prices, it's probably about $100. Wow. Um, I think it's two litre. Uh, Calgary is obviously cheap, but Vancouver's not. So mm-hmm. average now about $100. Um, you do the maths on... That's about 600 kilometers a tank, maybe 650 if you push it. Mm. So, yeah, the one constant price of our trip is the petrol, is the gas. So you know how much it costs to get back because it's roughly had this kilometer, isn't this? Um, The surprising thing has been how slightly expensive the campsites have been or private campsites. Yeah. 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 Which we'll talk about on the Mm-hmm. traveling this year from both of our trips but yeah yeah so it's interesting because both of us this year have done some substantial travel having not traveled like many of us but mm. having not traveled for years really yeah so to get back on the road you know to get back out there and what are your observations on how travel has changed and prices for sure but i don't know maybe attitudes or just people's approach to travel you know the people you've run into on the way like what's it been like to go out there now as opposed to four or five years ago i think we got to Nepal 
So mm. that was from February to June. And we just felt like we saw no one. I, I, I don't know if it's people just the, the mm. crunch of the crisis or living costs or not maybe being brave enough to, to quit their job because it's a bit yeah. uneasy at the moment. But the hostels in Europe for the first month, no one there. Wow. Uh, and also it seems to be this weird vibe of cost and r- the ratio of good value was not that much difference between a hostel, a hotel or Airbnb. Mm-hmm. So there were big surprises. And then Middle East was a, it's an interesting country. It's not a backpacking area. It's, it's separate entities, really. It's not like a Southeast Asia route. Right. Um, we met some people on tours, but yeah, just felt like a very quiet, I know it's off season. I know it's not summer holidays and people have kids and stuff, but we felt our age, yeah, yeah. mid thirties. You don't meet many people traveling who are mid thirties because that's the period of time people probably get stuck into a career, have a job or even have a house. Yeah. Family, so like yeah. that free, there's a few about, but a free spirit of traveling people of our age doesn't really exist that much. So a lot more younger people, I guess are about, but we didn't stay in party hostels. So mm. yeah. What did you find when you were traveling? Well, so we went to uh, Portugal mostly from January through to the end of March. My wife and I are two young kids. Uh, most of the time in Portugal, we did spend 10 days in Morocco, which was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our last, before we came home, we spent about a week in France, northern France. And we flew home from Paris. So one thing that was just so different for us was traveling with kids because we'd never done that before, at least to this extent. Uh, my wife and I, you know, backpacked around the world like 11 years ago and mm. Australia, New Zealand, Southeast Asia and India and all that. And I do remember thinking one of the first thoughts just being in France. And we, we flew to Paris in the first place in January and took the train down to the south of France and then to Barcelona and then Madrid. We stayed there for a few days and then we went over to Lisbon. So... It wasn't terribly busy, for sure, but we weren't really associating with other travelers. When you mm. travel as a family, you look for different kinds of accommodation, of course. Yeah. We did stay in a hostel in Barcelona for one night, but of course in a private room. Uh, and we weren't going to go to the bar or anything on the rooftop patio or any of that kind of stuff, you know. So it's a different experience as it is in terms of travel. And when we're looking for places, I don't. I remember thinking this, I don't know what we would have done without Airbnb. Yeah, we needed yeah. we needed the space. We needed at least two rooms, or yeah. two beds, ideally two rooms. Uh, we needed washer, washing machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we needed a kitchen for sure. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you could have a communal kitchen, I guess, in a hostel. But it's nice to have your own thing. And we would try to stay in a place for at least a week at a time. In yeah. Lisbon, we stayed. We had an apartment for four weeks, so we booked it for a solid month. Um, but yeah, without Airbnb, I mean, mm. I guess we would have found a way, but I mean, it really did facilitate doing this as a family with kids. Cause you can have all those things and you know, if you need to do laundry, which sometimes could be every day, then mm. it's fell part of the price. So part of it is like, well, in a sense, it kind of costs what it costs. I mean, we tried to find a good deal and places that weren't too expensive, but we had to, we had to find things in that certain price range. So I'm trying to remember now, at least in that time of year, low season. And as I say, we were either getting weekly rates, Airbnb, seven yep. nights, or a monthly rate there. So the nightly average was a little better. I feel like maybe it worked out to something like $80 a night, mm-hmm. I suppose, U.S., but uh, something that range, which is decent value for what we were getting. We, we'd always have two beds, of course, sometimes two bedrooms yeah. and all those other, you know, facilities. So, yeah, I mean, it's good. Now, for us going for three months, it certainly added up regardless with the accommodation, food. We, we would eat out from time to time, but usually we're cooking our own meals. 
we wanted to see some sites, of course, and do some attractions. We weren't just going to, you know, sit at home the whole time. We weren't going to go all the time, but still, there's some admission tickets and stuff that mm -hmm. add up. Transit, public transit, we buy train passes, you know, and, and then renting cars, because that's the other thing. Yeah. Instead of taking trains often, it would be more affordable and logical just to rent a car for four of us, which might be slightly more expensive, but you'd have the flexibility, too, yeah. of being able to go where you want, when you want, you know, not waiting for trains and buses, so... Yeah, it, it certainly added up in terms of cost, but I mean, you know, this is our chance to do it, so it was a great trip. Yeah, I think for us it's the same. I think we took a while to get into hostels, actually. Just thinking back, uh, the first part of the trip was Paris. We booked a hotel because when you've got more money in the budget, you think, yeah. oh, we'll treat ourselves the first three nights. And then hmm. you saw, we made our way to Luxembourg, and that was at Emma's Friends, that's free. And then we make our way down to like places like Liechtenstein. I mean, hmm. there's no hostel there. I always wanted to go there. Yeah, it's just a weird one street and <laughs> look left and right, you've done it. And there's a castle atop the hill, yeah. which has been renovated, so we couldn't go to that, unfortunately. Oh. But yeah, we took a while to get into hostels, but the first place was Switzerland because you, that is so expensive. And then our first experience of a hostel in Europe was, oh, yeah, there's no one there. It's really expensive. And the room wasn't that great. Mm. Oh, okay. And that was the cheapest option in Zurich or wherever we went to. So then I think by the time we got to Italy, again, that's Emma's birthday, we used to book something special. So I think we took a while to get into hostels and had a few hotels but then we started to realize oh yeah a private room we didn't stay in dorms mm. so a private room in a hostel compared to a budget hotel they're virtually the same mm -hmm. so what yeah. are you going to choose and i think we actually met more people with families than just normal backpackers which is quite interesting interesting yeah but maybe that's the way we traveled in terms of the hostels but yeah interesting vibe mm -hmm. did you find people let's say in the 50s 60s kind of who've probably retired or mm. you know maybe they have kids and they've grown up moved out and now they're getting out traveling yeah and they stay in hostels right which is quite <laughs> yeah. interesting yeah yeah <laughs> i mean that's unheard of when i think about 10 years ago you don't, you don't meet anyone but then it, maybe it's a type of hostel you stay in i'm not sure but when people are 50s and 60s and they're staying in hostels you think oh is that because it's just extremely expensive now i don't know yeah um but yeah we did meet a few of those guys and yeah we just had the euro interrail pass um we can get interrail pass if you're a resident in Europe, so that's what we had, and that's super easy, okay, super yeah. fun, and easy to book online, and all on time. The trains are great in Europe, apart from the UK. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the, the initial plan was to get to Turkey, but yeah, we yeah, yeah. we couldn't get there in the end, so we just flew. Right. But yeah, expensive in in total, and then doesn't help when Europe is expensive when you go to Middle East next, which is mm -hmm. if not more expensive, um, and you need a car. Then there's no two ways about it. Yeah. Amman and Jordan. There's no public transport that we could see that's easy to get to. Maybe Jordan might have more options, but Oman, definitely not. And then UAE is just a different ball game. But I think it's good to do it now because I don't think we could do that again. I think that those expensive countries are one-off trips, one-off countries. I don't think you yeah. do it in one after the other. This is too much money. Wow. Yeah. Had you expected that when you were planning this trip, that you had a budget with those prices in mind? I think you said yesterday that my mind... <laughs> is budgeting for a backpacking trip at least six years ago, maybe 10. I've not caught up the times in my thinking. So I think at the start of the trip, I was like, oh yeah, that'd be enough for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Very naive as it's better going to last a year, if that. So I think it's been a sobering thought when it comes to yeah. what budgeting now means for travel in certain parts of the world. Well, um, I don't know what yeah. Southeast Asia is like. I don't know what middle of Asia is like, South Asia. I don't know. But mm -hmm. from our experiences, we felt like we traveled to all the expensive countries which maybe is true yeah well that's just it. yeah 
I've done some of Europe for sure, but you're, you're always limited just how much your budget is. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I'd love to see more and do more. But mm. unless maybe you can live there for a year, which you'd have to have a job or maybe you're in school. But, you know, to have it as a home base. But otherwise, it's like we were lucky again. And, and people often talk about and certainly asked us about Portugal. Is it really as cheap as people say? Mm. It is compared to other parts of Western Europe, France, Germany, you know. Uh, it, it, your, your money goes a little bit farther whether it's accommodation or food and stuff like that but prices are going up it's definitely getting busier we were there low season you know February, March but um, it was it was definitely getting busier and I really felt I remember especially in Porto maybe like we were kind of right at the cusp of this place taking off and just becoming almost too overrun yeah. and gentrified and stuff like that you know mm. it's not necessarily too late so if you want to go to a place like Porto or other places in Portugal. Lisbon's probably already there. But like before, as I say, before it gets really touristy, like going out, it's not too late, but it's getting there. Yeah, I think in the summer, I'd be heaving. Portugal yeah. is just one of those places that gets really busy. And I think it's got busier because it is cheaper in Western Europe. Yeah. And my friend who I traveled with in Lebanon, he's from Lisbon. He bought a flat this year, apartment, but he said he couldn't afford to buy anywhere near central Lisbon. He said, luckily, he works at the airport, so he bought it near the airport, which is further out of town, which is fine. You know, a bit, it's quite central still, but yeah. So he was just saying that this has got too popular. So the locals have been driven out. Yeah. I mean, how many times do you hear that? Yeah. I mean, if I was going to freelance work and choose anywhere, it wouldn't be staying in Europe, that's for sure. I'll be, no, I'll be really. dipping to India, Nepal, or even Southeast Asia somewhere. Well, here's the thought. I just remembered this. I talked to people in my kind of network who are a lot of them are travelers digital nomads stuff yeah. like this and a lot of them talk about co-working places yeah not just for working but for living co-living spaces yeah yeah living spaces yeah so in uh, madeira is a popular spot spot in portugal oh madeira island uh-huh oh, lovely yeah. and uh the baltics estonia latvia oh yeah that there. that part of europe yeah, yeah. just that's like bulgaria untouched. too yeah yeah and they you know all these places are well connected these days and yeah. like you know, the quality of living and all the rest, it's safe, it's clean. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, uh, but of course, with the co-living, you know, you're sharing those expenses. And if you're there to work, like, it's a different mentality. Like yes. you guys are traveling and we were traveling, you know, I was working for sure a bit, but we wanted to see things and sightseeing. Mm -hmm. But if you have a different approach, like, and you don't have a home base, where's home? I mean, well, it's wherever I lay my head, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it gets a bit draining after a while when you're changing every couple of days. So yeah. when you you want to have, imagine if you're a digital nomad and like, I just want to stay put for a while, where are you going to go? So if you want to find a place for a month or six weeks or something like that, and if it's co-living with like-minded people who are all there to work and you're kind of keeping each other accountable in a sense and, you know, you have your work time and time to hang out and stuff like that, it's something to think about and it's growing more and more, that, that setup. I think that's next for us. Yeah, I think where, where can we stay that's not expensive like Canada in mm -hmm. terms of not staying in the van because that is I guess when you compare to Canada it's quite budget but yeah where can we just dip ourselves for a month and I've been looking at Airbnbs and all these places you know Mexico Cuba uh, Sofia in Bulgaria because I know yeah like say a few people I've interviewed mm -hmm. live there uh, Bangkok as well I mean all these places are just ridiculously cheap I said to my sister the other day that as soon as we sell our van in Vancouver we're out of there because yeah. staying there is going to cost way more money. <laughs> yeah. But she's like, well, how, well, what's the difference? I'm like, well, Airbnb, I know it's a, a bit of a godsend in Europe, mm. but Airbnb in Canada is ridiculous. And you're not getting anywhere in Vancouver for like 100 or mm -hmm. even $150 a night some places, even though it's technically end of summer. Yeah, oh yeah. So that, for example, in Cuba, if you want to go to Havana, 
it's about $30 a night. So was that? It's about $800 for a month. No, it's probably less than that. I think I think you get the discounts and yeah, on the month. True. So it's about $600 a month for a two-bedroom apartment in Havana. I know the Wi-Fi might not be great. That's a different story. But yeah. the price comparison, that is three or four nights in Vancouver. So it's mm-hmm. a no-brainer where people just need to find themselves a cheapest place. I mean, in Mexico City, it's more expensive than that, but it's double. But it's still less than Vancouver, right? So you need sure. to do some research where to find but yeah that's the next thing for us yeah interesting hey yeah just a quick one i just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast you can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with five dollars or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with t public where there's plenty of merch available to buy such as t-shirts jumpers hoodies and also some children's clothing thirdly which is free you can also rate and review this podcast on apple podcasts spotify Podchaser, or good pods also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast, and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling, podcast, and other stuff. Thank you. Are you, uh, well, two part question. After all of this travel, and here it's August, so you guys have been on the road basically since January, right? December, really. I went to Greece in December. Right, for, right. Yeah. Do you feel burnt out, tired of travel? Do you want to just stay put for a while? Oh, I, I could travel forever, but <laughs> I think the type of travel yeah. needs to change. It's been too fast. I was in Greece, and then we went back to UK for Christmas, came back to Vancouver, had no notice, and done the last month in January. But since February, it's been go, go, go. The only break was Kathmandu. But like, like we said to you last night, it's not a walking place. It's not a chill place, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, cheap, but not chill. So yeah, busy city. Yeah, And then since we've been back here, got the van, and we've been on the road just needs to slow down that's the name of the game next and not necessarily always seeing things yeah that's true so what have you got planned then for the rest of this trip this road trip how long yeah that's a good question it was going to november but we've we've kind of broken that a bit short to start to mid-october i think so we reckon from here another six weeks i think if we had a guess mm-hmm. maybe seven nova scotia or the maritimes and then it is working our way back to vancouver so that's four weeks in u.s which might be New England, Washington, Washington and Virginia, and then just driving west along the top of the U.S. states like Minnesota and South Dakota and yeah. Montana and Wyoming and Idaho. Yeah, yeah. And finally Washington State. I think that would be the rough trip hmm. to get us back in Vancouver for start of October, mm-hmm. maybe mid of October, and then no messing about getting a van up for sale. Right. Yeah. So, you well, you definitely want to sell it in Vancouver or perhaps somewhere else? <laughs> That's a question for you. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I, I don't know what the rules are. It's too complicated. In the UK, it's one country, one rule. Yeah. Here, can we sell our van in Ontario? You it, can. It'd be handy if we could. And if it's easy and it's not too much happen, but there's one drawback of that. What happens if we don't sell it? Because then we don't have winter tyres. That's right. Then we're stuck. Yeah. Until we, until we sell it. But that, how long is that going to take and where do we stay? Well, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, because you don't need winter tyres, at least in Vancouver, Vancouver True. Island area. Yeah. Which means that someone could, you know, end up buying the van in like December or something like that. Yeah, because they can still use it in the city. And... Sure. But that also then means that you're stuck in Vancouver or wherever yeah. uh, until the van sells. And so I guess the question is, how long will that take? So stressful. If anyone needs a camper van, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's a great little Toyota Sienna. Yeah. yeah. It's got a converted double bed at the back, it's got a kitchen at the yeah. back of the boot. Yeah, it's got some shelves for books, it's got hmm. some good storage space, and it's got two seats at the front, so if someone wants a reliable Toyota... Yeah. Yeah, it's obviously got 
quirks to it and it's got things that can be fixed but not nothing tragic mm-hmm. as the <laughs> the guy that Gary said he said you can spend ten thousand dollars on it if you want to but it's not worth it yeah um, but yeah that's a great question how long will it take and it's a scary thought because like we said before you can go to Cuba for a month and that's cheap but a month in Vancouver <sighs> yeah where do you stay well, I think you'll hit a tipping point where, you know, maybe you lower the price or whatever, but it's yeah. just, you have to get rid of it because you'll, you're just hemorrhaging money. Yeah. You know, you'll save more in the long term, just getting rid of it, getting what you can, and then take off to Mexico or wherever. Yeah. We have a cheap option to stay in Vancouver for two weeks maximum, I think. Mm-hmm. My friend's got a, he lives in an apartment block and they have a guest suite for people who are living there for family members, whatever, assuming it's available. Technically, it's a week at a time, but I think we've met them. They like us, so I think we could probably do two. Mm-hmm. Maybe move out for a weekend and go back in again to re- <laughs> reset it. So I think we've got two weeks where we feel like it's not too much on the budget, hmm. which is quite a lot of time. We bought our car, I think, within an hour of her putting it up there. I remember that story, yeah. yeah. So I think we're <laughs> slightly confident that it'll go. It's just how much for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it'll happen one way or another, I guess. So where do you guys see yourselves? Well, maybe six months from now six to ten months less than a year but you know say spring kind of next year where do you mm. think you'll be what would you be doing cool that'd be this side of the how do you call it country or border of uh-huh. the middle part but yeah i think we'll be <laughs> east i think we're looking to hmm. get the canadian passport so we're gonna uh, settle down somewhere because you need to get your days you need to take off your days to get your passport right um so that we're looking at maybe toronto uh, montreal or halifax to come i think they're the three options have all got different pros and cons so done Toronto, done Montreal. I think you'll really like Halifax. <laughs> it's on the coast, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a nice city. It's big enough, you know, you can get everything you need, services and stuff. And there's lots happening. There's lots of music there and culture. A big, big student town. There's like at least three universities, four, yeah, I think. That's what someone's told us. Yeah. yeah. Quite a few people. But it's nothing like Montreal, Toronto. You know, I think Halifax is maybe half a million people. So big enough, uh, but it's not okay. like a huge city. Yeah. No, I think obviously what comes into this is what we're doing for jobs, mm-hmm. what's the living cost like. We know Toronto is mental. Montreal is a bit cheaper for accommodation to, to stay and to live in. When we were there, we were looking at apartments and they're criminally better value than Vancouver and Toronto. So we have to really <laughs> assess what's the best for us. But the essential rule is we need to get our days for the passport. So that's the next two years from okay. probably February or March. Two years from then. Yeah, I think by the time we get enough days, apply... And then you get this weird point of time where they invite you to the ceremony. That makes your PR card redundant because you've basically got citizenship. You just need, yeah. you need to go and, go and complete it. Huh. I think from that to get the passport can be any time from two or three weeks to six months and you can't travel. True. Um, so we'll be stuck wherever we are for that period of time at least. Yeah. And then after that is a, another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope to be freelance at that point. Sure, sure. Yeah, do my own thing. Well, yeah. What do you see for your podcasting future? Because, you know, we all of us here, um, I'm a listener, of course, and, you know, we know you because of the podcast. But mm. you said talk about connections and just exposure and just having a means to introduce yourself to people, right? Whether it's online or now in person, mm. having the chance to do that. So it's already accomplished a lot. How do you feel about the podcast as a project and we've come so far and ideas for the future? Yeah, the podcast has gone, I think, quite well. It's hard to know because you shouldn't really compare maybe people in the same length of time even doing it, but different genres have different interests. And I think travel podcasts are a bit down there in interest. I don't think they're the super popular things that people listen to compared to sports or news or 
um, stuff like that. But saying that, I've released one every week for two and a half years. I, ne- I do need a break. Hmm. I'm not really burnt out, but it has come to a point where I do need some help, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do get a lot of requests. I do get a lot of people approaching me. I do say no. I need to figure out what I do want for the podcast. I think for the future, that is a great discussion to have. I think we're talking to you about it as well. Sure, yeah. Uh, I think I like to improve the quality, maybe reduce the length of interviews. We'll see about that. Mm-hmm. And also figure out more of a niche, I think. Yeah, niche down. Because that's the thing too with travel and even travel podcasts. And uh, there's there are lots of them out there. And, you know, some people do kind of seasonal thing or come and go but there are lots out there and i think we're at a point now with travel podcasting that there's certainly the time and place to niche down to some kind of theme yeah you know and that could be like style of travel or a particular mindset or of course a certain destination mm-hmm. or anything like that uh, maybe something taps into like sustaining travel as a digital nomad or you know working yeah. online any of these kinds of niches right because it's past the early days of podcasting and travel in particular where you could kind of talk about anything and people are just excited, well, this is a new podcast, right? Yeah. There's enough podcasts out there now. Yeah. So it's good to niche down and then you become a kind of identified for that. One thing I've learned for sure is that you can always branch out and still talk about other things mm. from time to time, mm. but you have that identity, that branding in a sense that you're known for this thing, maybe the coffee thing, right? That's yeah, really yeah. neat because yeah, yeah. you combine coffee with travel yeah. Which is kind of cool. It's quirky. It's fun. And yeah. it's like, what are the difference between some of these cafes and the <laughs> type of coffee you get? And prices, sure. And menu. And, you know, like, hey, lots of us love tra- uh, love coffee. When we travel, when we were in Europe, you know, we're always looking for places to get coffee. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, well, where do you begin? How do you get something that's good value? That you're not being ripped off. That's like quality and, and also a nice experience too, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so that's a great example, at least, of a niche. You could f- have that as your focus, but still talk to people about mm. other travel adventures and stories too, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I think step one, especially everybody listening, is to hear more from your listeners. Yes. So give James some feedback, mm-hmm. what you like about the show, suggestions, other ideas, topics, formats, you know, things like that. For sure, we, it's great when listeners take the initiative to reach out. Yeah, you helps. can also have live events, a Q and A live session type thing, mm-hmm. and yeah, you hopefully get a few people there, and then they can talk to you like live directly and That'd be ask awesome, you some yeah. questions. You know, get some more of that interaction. It's yes. always the challenge of podcasting because we're kind of talking into this void, and we know people are listening. And it's wonderful, <laughs> but you don't have the human interaction, the body language, and even if it was in chat and text form, you know. You're just kind of hoping that people are liking what you're doing and that if they have suggestions and comments, then they need to really make the effort to reach out. So that's a huge, it would be a huge asset in terms of planning your next step. Yeah, I think to give you an insight of what I was thinking, I knew the first 18 months would be getting just used to it, uh, get my foot in the door, get some guests. So that was, what, two and a half years ago. The second year, I knew travel would be implemented in with the podcast. That's been this year. Yeah. And then there'll be a third phase I knew after the travels because, you know, I'm not rich. I can't go forever. <laughs> so that, what is that next? And I've got loads of ideas. I'm a bit creative in my mind. I'd love to get set up in a live studio, like yeah. a proper podcast studio and do it that way. Get guests to come in and do it in person. That'd be an awesome part of the podcast. Not just rely exclusively on remote. And that is still part of it because people in travel all around the world. Sure. But maybe just niche down to where I'm based and try and do a bit of a series on that. And so, yeah, like live is another one where people can tune in live and then put questions in and I'd love to get a little guest and then the ultimate dream for me is doing a live show 
I mean, I'd love to rent somewhere out and get some speakers in and yeah, okay. maybe a few sponsors and make it cost neutral, but I just have a bit of a fun night talking about travel, about yeah, yeah. travel stories idea. and travels. And that's a bit of a pipe dream of mine going into the next few years. That will cost a bit of money. I, I'm not afraid to invest in it, but I think any sponsorships would help with that, make it cost neutral, maybe pay for some speakers. I don't know, but a live show would be pretty cool. And yeah. because I used to perform live at right, music right. university, I'm not afraid to be on stage. So hmm. yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. There's lots of potential for sure. And that's the thing because you have such this foundation now of content of episodes, like a yeah. hundred episodes, right? So 200 coming up. Yeah. Yeah. You've really got something to build on, not just the content library, but all the experience that you've learned from it. Yeah. What's the one thing you always read about on TikTok or whatever? It's like consistency. Sure. That is something I've been, <laughs> if, if, if anything else, if it's not that good or <laughs> <laughs> the guests are boring or mm. the podcast episode is not the best edited or the best production, whatever. Yeah. I have a whacked one out every week. It's uh, impressive. And it's been tough on a weekly podcast because that's a lot of work and it will continue, I think. But I need to make sure I make enough time for myself to make it a bit more efficient. Mm. And then ultimately going forward, I think I will use that experience to create some sort of podcast business out of it, whether that's teaching or doing some editing for other people or being guest host or going to a package for a company to do a podcast, whatever it is. I think that's next for the business side. I think it's ready for that. I think I'm ready for the business side to come next and because I'm two or three years stable. I should sure. put some work into that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's mm. what I've been doing, you know, because I was podcasting for fun for like four or five years. Yeah. When I was looking for a business, something to work from home, work for myself online or work from anywhere, I knew how to edit audio. I like doing it. I like the whole podcast kind of mentality. I like audio, you yeah. know, videos. Yeah. Okay. But I like audio. I prefer audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very intimate yeah. and it's just, it, you have the kind of permission to speak for longer, like we're doing now, get into yeah. a deeper conversation, right? Mm. So I really like that. And there's a lot of potential and it's a great marketing angle for anyone yeah. in any kind of industry, any niche, not just travel, but anything to have a podcast to talk about who you are and what you do or your company does and mm. make the connection with listeners. It's a great investment. So, yeah, it, so I, that's what I chose. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. There's another discussion about the video and the audio comparison. Mm. And someone asked me the other day, like, why aren't you on YouTube? <laughs> and the number one reason is when you watch YouTubers and I'm, they're great and then we're on the, the great video editors and video yeah. creatives and stuff but just think when you get an experience is it how genuine is it at least with podcast audio it's not at the time it's reflecting on what i've done and there's been no activity where i have to do that for the podcast it's always been something i want to do hmm. so my youtube idea which is still to get off the floor because a lot of work is <laughs> i want to release my solo episodes of this road trip but with content i've just captured at the time it could be like a video of us driving could be a video of a lake whatever it is so you get an idea of what we have seen yeah. along with the audio of the podcast and it'd be me talking to camera because you can't have it all with just videos that's a lot of work yeah so i think like if it's a 15 minute video of maybe like part one of this trip it'll be maybe seven eight minutes of content in there me talking to camera so it's like a mix of you getting to know me but also getting to know the trip so yeah. that's also an idea yeah and you can do that as like the shorts or kind of shortest shorts, videos yeah, right? yeah great yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But like I said, that's another bit of work. So it's, <laughs> it's hard when you're on your own. Uh, yeah. And I've had no income this year. So it's, mm. uh, that makes things a bit harder. Well, hey, you've had an incredible trip and I've enjoyed following it. It's, ah, it's crazy to so think much. all the places you've been, like all around yeah. the world, you know, in the past few months. Yeah. And then we'll see next year 
I think there's a few trips. I, I, you know, I'll not make it sound like quitting traveling. Uh, there will be a few trips next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to go to Armenia and Georgia. So I think that's going to be next late summer. But okay. once we finish this trip, it will be a bit of a reflection period. But yeah, thanks for following along. Appreciate it. It's good to know. Yeah. Like you said, people do listen, but you don't mm-hmm. hear about what they think. So it's good to know some feedback and stuff like that. Yeah. How? Well, now I'll ask you the question. How can people get in touch with you? <laughs> <laughs> And send you those comments and feedback. So this is on the end of the podcast, if you listen to the end. Yes, but that's true. there's a few ways. Uh, you can reach out to me if you want to just do a classic email, jameshammondtravel mm-hmm. at gmail.com. I'm very active on Instagram, and that is a DM if you want to DM me. Um, just make make sure you, you say you're a fan, because I, I, I do get a lot of weird ones, and I sometimes think they're just mm. trolls. Maybe they're not. And... Facebook is linked to Instagram. I don't use Facebook. It just automates automatically. So if you do a messenger message, I'll get it and I can have a look. Um, probably not the best way, but that's a way as well. Mm-hmm. And I guess, what else do people use? I don't have it. Actually, thinking about it, I don't really have any other. I mean, TikTok, but then that's just the same as mm-hmm. Instagram. I mean, I do have a WhatsApp number, but that's a bit risky. Send that out. Yeah, yeah. Well, podcast. there's a few options though. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all in the show notes if people want to right. see how to contact. But yeah, email or Instagram is probably the two I would say are the most prominent. Cool. You can also tweet me, but I don't use Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. But thanks for coming on the podcast. Have a chat. Nice to be back. Yeah, it's nice like, to meet you. I feel like we swapped roles and uh, I'll ask you some questions. You ask sure. me some questions. It's yeah, quite it's cool. Fine. And, and, and you can, we, it's easier in a sense to do this when we're in person, right? Yeah in the body language and you can just kind of feed off each other so it's fun and no notes all winging it that's right winging it (laughs) cheers thank you thank you for listening to my winging it travel podcast episode today you can find me on instagram at james hammond travel or winging it travel podcast you can search for both i release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels you can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.